Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning on this uh, weekend before the holiday weekend, I guess. Christmas, uh, Christmas comes before before the next weekend, so not much time. If you're like me, uh, you probably don't have your Christmas shopping done. I am terrible at it. I mean, I love the fact of giving gifts and stuff, but I'm terrible at picking out gifts. So I usually get it done by Christmas Eve. Hey, we're going to talk a lot of ice fishing today. We have several segments where we're going to talk conditions, techniques, events, what's going on around the state. We're also uh, end of the end of the second hour. By the way, we're a special edition on Sunday, and we're on for two and a half hours. The end of the last segment of that uh, last hour, uh, Chad Lachance is going to talk cooking game and fish. Game and fish that you maybe have just harvested or that maybe you've had in the freezer for a while and now you're going to replace it. So he's going to give us, he's a pretty excellent cook. He's going to give us some tips on that. Parks and Wildlife is going to talk about a number of outdoor activities, including wildlife watching. So we're not going to talk just ice fishing, but we do have a lot of ice fishing to cover. It's what's going on. And with that in mind, let's go right to the phones and joining us. On this special Sunday edition of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Sunday seems kind of strange doing it on a Sunday, but we got a long show and a lot to cover, and we're going to keep you uh, for a few minutes. Today has started fantastic. Oh, ice fishing, you know, Nate, I know we're going to get into it a lot, but we saw over the course of summer and spring with covid more and more people getting outdoors in every aspect. They were hiking, they were camping, they were fishing. We saw an influx of hunters. Uh, I think it's going to be a tremendous ice fishing season with a lot of participation and a lot of people new to the sport, don't you? Absolutely, Terry. You know, I'm excited about it all. And I I tell you, I love this Sunday uh, early morning start to the radio show. You and I always go back and forth on the radio, but uh, I love the early start. So I'm excited to be here today. But you're right, Jerry. I think that hands down, we're going to see a, a large increase in the sport. I mean, and honestly, we haven't seen even a what I would call a a slow growth in the ice sport in many years. You know, we we see a twenty something percent increase in ice anglers every year, going on six to eight years now. Um, and then I think a year like this, where so many people have found the love for the outdoors and just found the the healthy lifestyle that the outdoors provide, I think we're going to see even a bigger boost in, in that outdoor rec this year. So it's exciting, and I think with that, we're really trying to take a approach to. to be there as an educational resource for all these new ice anglers. Everything from, you know, learning how to be safe on the ice to how to be successful on the ice and, you know, present opportunities for them to, to be with. So I know that as a company ourselves, we're, we're trying to do a lot of stuff as far as I was at Bass Pro all last weekend trying to, to walk the floor, uh, educate people on just how to how to start ice fishing, how to be safe ice fishing. Uh, I teamed up with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We're doing a live feed this coming Monday uh, talking about equipment, how to get started in ice fishing. And we're just doing a lot to, to try to help out. We uh, we brought back our ice school this year. We, ha- we did not do our ice school last year. We're really excited about that. Our website is launched. You can go to our website. Uh, and ice school is a little different this year. But ice school is, generally speaking, uh, a three-hour classroom environment 
environment of education, and then we roll over to four hours on the ice of actual ice fishing. Uh, this year, our, our in-classroom stuff is actually going to be virtual. So it's a digital series uh, that you're actually going to watch via video, and then after you watch that, then you're still going to go on the ice uh, for that for that longer um you know, period of time being on the ice and actually fishing with us, catching fish. So we're excited to, to have a school going this year. We have two schools. They're both walleye schools uh, for all those new anglers out there that are that are participating in ice fishing. Well, you know, I want to talk a little bit about people <clears throat> getting started ice fishing and, and, and we'll go over some opportunities that you know are out there and we'll talk about different guide trips. And one of the things I want to mention with a few of the various guides we'll have on over the next two and a half hours, and that's the fact that ice fishing is different. You watch it on TV, you watch it um, maybe on my YouTube channel, on your videos, you see a, a lot of uh, information out there. But the nuances are so much different when you're out on the ice as far as dealing with line, dealing with the freezing conditions, as far as keeping your knots and your tackle uh, Two points I want to make, and I'd like you to expound on them. Number one is that you can you can ice fish with, by spending very little money. Uh, you don't have to. You can go to some of these stock trout lakes with virtually an ice fishing rod and almost find a hole that's been abandoned and probably catch some fish. So you can probably get started for under $50, or you can spend thousands of dollars on advanced electronics and uh electric augers and all that type of thing. So what are you th what do you think about people getting started and then how important is going out with a guide or somebody who's experienced for your first couple trips? Absolutely, Jerry. I think you really can break this down in a lot of different fashions. Number one, um, anybody that, you know, I would say if you ask the general person about ice fishing, majority, a, a strong majority, absolutely love the sport. They love everything about it. Um, but the few people that don't is because they had that bad experience. So I always tell somebody when you're starting off new, either one, time your, your first couple experiences and time them in the right setting. And or whether it's a guide or somebody else, go with somebody with the right equipment to make sure that your first experience is not miserable. So with that, I always tell people, hey, if you're going to you know, try ice fishing for the first time, you know, don't go to Antero at 5 a.m. on a day when it's 30 below and sit on a bucket, struggle to make a hole, freeze, and, and end up hating the sport. If it's your first time, go to like Evergreen Lake on a nice afternoon at 2 o'clock you know, where a lot of times you can fish in a T-shirt and, and enjoy yourself and kind of break yourself into the, the sport of ice fishing. So you kind of see what's going on, learn about it, understand the gear that really is needed, uh, things like that. Or, you know, whether it's a guide or find somebody that has some, some experience out there, it's nice to, to go with somebody on those more, you know, tougher days as far as climate is concerned to have a nice shelter, to have a heater, have a power auger, um, and those type things. So, again, I'm not saying you need the equipment, but at least for your first couple experiences as you get your feet wet, really try to time it to where you either have really good weather or you have the gear to, to make it nice. And I always tell people that the true benefit of a guide trip, um, you know, not trying to sell people or even the ice school, um, is one, you're, you're going to have a good time because you're going to catch some fish. But two, in the list of equipment that you can have as an ice angler, again, you could literally spend $10 on a rod combo, rod and reel. It might not be the best gear. It might not last the longest. But you could get into a rod reel combo for $10, $15 and get yourself on the ice catching fish. Now, obviously, a hand auger versus a power auger. 
there's benefits, time, energy, everything, you know, outside versus shelter or, you know, no fish finder versus the top of the line latest graphics. So there's a lot of stuff there. But a lot of times if you talk to anglers, everybody's going to sell you on their favorite piece of equipment. You know, you're just running to me on the ice. Hey, Nate, what, what's your favorite thing? And I can tell you, oh, I couldn't live without my, my graph or I couldn't live without this. But really, it's all individual. So you – if you go out and experience for yourself, whether on a guide trip or, or whatever, I encourage people to go out and try the sport first and see what you really need. Because a lot of times you're like, hey, I'm a person that doesn't get that cold. So for me, the, the ice shack can wait. It's more important for me to, to really have a, an auger. I know I get too tired hand drilling, so I, I want a power auger. That's going to help me enjoy the sport. So everybody has different takes on what gear is a priority to them. And I know if you talk to a seasoned veteran, we all pitch one product that we really like, but, I mean, it's not necessarily a priority. I mean, you talk about electronics, Terry, and you and I are very heavy, heavy electronic anglers. We we wouldn't fish if we didn't have our graphs with us, right? It's just who we are. But yet, you look at somebody like my dad. Uh, you know, he's in his 70s. He drills a hole, and he literally takes a Stanley tape measure and sticks a tape measure down the hole, hits bottom, reads his depth, moves around till he finds the structure, and he's never used a piece of electronics in his ice, and he catches fish. So there's opportunity for everybody. you got to find what's important to you and run with it. I couldn't agree more. I think it's, it's actually easy to get started. Like you said, you don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, just you can get an inexpensive rod and reel. I will tell you this, though, on the rod and reel, don't get one of those pool cue rods that doesn't bend. Um, I was out on the ice. I was out on the ice last week, and we caught more fish than we could even count. But I noticed people that had those heavier rods were not getting. Uh, they weren't. They were getting bites, but they weren't getting hookups, and then they weren't landing as many fish because they they weren't. By the time they knew the bite, the fish knew they were there because they weren't sensitive enough. And and then when they tried to land the fish, there was no bend in the rod, and the fish would shake the hook out. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but, you know, you can spend $15, $20 on just a rod that has decent sensitivity and, and bend to it and then kind of understand what pound test line you're using and then, and then go to uh, – and then just put one of your summer reels on it, Nate. I mean, that's it. You know, and I think on the rod selection, I, I try to find the healthy balance. Because, again, I, I see the opposite effect as well, where I see people going too light. So I would find that medium action rod, not too heavy, not too light, and it's going to get you through most categories. And honestly, if you came to me as somebody who's ice fished my whole life, I run tournaments, I guide, I tournament fish. If you said, hey, pick your pieces of equipment. Honestly, if you buy yourself a good pair of boots, which I, I hate to say, I hate to always push clothing, but... If your feet are cold, you're miserable. So get a good pair of boots, which we could talk about if people want, um, and then get yourself a spud bar. The spud bar is going to be, number one, your safety device. We talk about it every year, but that spud bar will, will make sure that you're standing on ice that's going to hold you. So a spud bar is priority. And with a spud bar, even though you might want to go to your own area, even if you're at an 11 mile where you got a foot of ice, you could find an old hole, which there's plenty. There's a lot of people out there, and you could spud bar out an old hole. So even if you don't want to spud through the entire thickness of the ice, you can definitely spud out an old hole and get yourself fishing. So literally uh, a $40, $50 spud bar, pair of boots, and a cheap rod, and, and you can be successful across the state of Colorado right now. And then even right now where the ice is, 
you know, in the development stage, most of our ice is under a foot right now. And you can do that with a spud bar. So even if you don't want to invest the 50 to $100 on a hand auger, a spud bar is your safety device. It can also make a hole in fresh ice. You can spud out an old hole, and you can get yourself fishing. So in my opinion, priority-wise, right here before the holidays, boots and a spud bar, a nice rod, and you're fishing. All right. I'll tell you what, Nate, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want you to talk about you've got some events coming up, your tournaments, and then I want you to give us uh, an update on what you've seen out there. Maybe some people are looking to go fishing. A lot of people won't be working this week. Give us some ideas and maybe where there's a decent place to go ice fishing. You ready to hang on for a minute? Yep, absolutely. All right. We'll take a quick time out, and we come back. We'll talk more with Nate Zielinski on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. <laughs> jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. We are talking with Nate Zielinski. Let's get back to the phones. You with us, Nate? I'm there, sir. couple things. Uh, first of all, that Christmas music reminded me. I want to get to your events, and I want to get some tips on maybe where people could take a trip. But uh, you run a full guide service. You talked about your school. Uh, you got any Christmas gift ideas for people? We're going to do that with everybody today. So Absolutely. People buy- you know, we have a lot of stuff going out the shelves. Honestly, we're, we're mailing out uh, a lot of stuff. We obviously have gift cards uh, for the holidays for guide trips. So we have a lot of that going on. So we have gift cards. We usually throw in a couple of lures or a hat. We throw some sort of tight line memorabilia with the gift cards and all purchases of those gift cards right now. It makes a great Christmas gift. So we have a lot of those going out. We do have our ice school going right now. So we launched the dates on our website. Uh, so we're excited about that. So that the actual the, the portion of the on ice is on January 9th. Uh, but that ice school for the two-day class. So education and on the ice is $150 per angler. That makes a great Christmas gift, the gift of education. Get out, learn everything there is to know about ice fishing for walleyes, uh, and really ice fishing in general. So that makes a great gift. And then obviously ice addiction, it's a $45 ticket, whether that's a gift or a stocking stuffer. You can jump online. You can literally register anybody you want. So just type in the information, give that correct email address, uh, print off that ticket. You can put that in any sort of gift. So whether it's tickets to ice addiction, which is launched, which is tickets are on sale right now, uh, Ice Addiction or a Guide Trip, uh, all those make a great Christmas gift, and we're definitely seeing a lot of that happening right now. All right. Now, before we get to some bites that maybe people want to go take advantage of, uh, tell me about your Ice Addiction tournament series. I know two are in Utah, but two are here in Colorado. Absolutely, Terry. So we, we put together a slogan that call, that's called I Stand with Grand. Um, obviously, Terry, it's been a crazy year. We literally developed the ice addiction schedule uh, 10 different times and had to, to make changes. Um, and obviously, safety is our priority. We keep saying that, and it truly is. We want to make sure that we can provide an ice fishing experience, but yet keep the safety of everybody at mind, make sure that everybody's at ease, and we don't jeopardize that safety in any way. So we're excited about that. So we were kind of developing the series uh, and some of the venues that we wanted to go to. Uh, it did not work out for the way that we wanted to plan the safety for that. So we couldn't go there. Uh, and we're so fortunate to work with certain people. We were talking to actually another venue and it came up that we were looking to, to host this event. Grand Lake made a, an offer to us saying, hey, we would love to have you for a second event. Obviously, they had a very tough year uh, just between tourism with COVID as well as the fires. Uh, so we put together a slow 
slogan that's called I Stand with Grand. We are going to stand with Grand Lake uh, and support them through this tough time. We, we actually are moving basically the first event, which is on January 16th, to the east side of the reservoir. So we've never had an event. So between the two events at Grand Lake, they're very much going to be like two different venues. So we're going to be at the far east end, shallow water, more of a rainbow brown type fight. And then our second event on February 20th is going to be right there out of Gene Stover Park, more right in kind of the, the heart of the lake, a lot of lake trout in that portion of the water. Um, so really, it's going to be built like two different venues for the, for the way we have it laid out. And most importantly, we're standing with a town right here in Colorado that needs our support uh, during these tough times. So we're really excited to be at Grand Lake twice on January 16th, February 20th. Uh, then we have our two events in Utah. Same thing. Huge shout out to Utah for, for stepping up and really wanting us there. So so we're really excited to, to have these changes and to bring on ice addiction. Like we said, tickets are $45. Uh, and for all the new anglers out there, we are still doing our loner rod program. So if you are a new ice angler, you want to check it out. Obviously at ice addiction, we pre-drill all the holes uh, and we will bring you rod and tackle to, to use and borrow for the day. If you want to try ice fishing for the first time. So buy a ticket, Give us an email. All our rods are sanitized, clean, tackles, good to go. Uh, and we can actually loan you the equipment that you need for a day of fishing if you want to try it out. So basically a $45 ticket can get you gear for, for those first-time anglers at Ice Addiction. All right. Sounds like a great opportunity. So, Nate, a lot of people a lot of people are working weird hours anyway because of COVID, but a lot of people are off this week going into Christmas. The front range is probably a little iffy. We'll probably talk about that in a couple of weeks. But what, what are you seeing out there if I want to head out for an ice fishing trip, whether I want to hunt for maybe bigger fish or I just want to catch some fish? Absolutely, Terry. You know, we have ice across the board. So, um, you know, I know you mentioned the front range. I know we're really talking about in the coming weeks. We might as well talk about it. Cherry Creek right now has a, has a really good cap on it. Anglers are out there, but as always on the front range, use extreme caution. Um, I can tell you that there are three different pockets on the lake that did not freeze at the same time. Uh, so you're going to have three layers of ice at, at Cherry Creek. Uh, so, or I should say three thicknesses of ice. So always use caution. Use that spud bar. Don't trust anything. Uh, be cautious there. At Chatfield, you have a lot of weird freezing. Uh, even the North Boat Dock, which is probably our, usually our most stable area, I checked that ice last night. Uh, and we had two or three springs kind of popping up around. Um, so, again, use caution of that. In front of the Handicap Pier and that whole south marina, there is still open water. Uh, and then it kind of layers up thicker and thicker as you go back to the southwest. Uh, so, again, people are on the ice on the front range, uh, but I would not say that the ice is at that point to where you definitely are fishing the whole bodies of water, uh, nor can you trust uh, the report. So get out there. If you are out there, I should say, check the ice with every step and, and even if you were there yesterday check the ice again as you approach today uh in the high country fishing's good um you have a lot of ice you know, obviously your bigger bodies of water your grambies places like that uh, you know they're going to be some of the later ones to freeze but your uh, anteros your 11 miles your terriels are all very good williams fork is capped uh, it's building ice fast i would not say it's one of those things that you can tromp around everywhere um so again the bigger body of water the more wind exposed the deeper bodies of water use more caution as opposed to it seems like the shallow bodies of water less wind uh, are definitely building ice faster so so keep that in mind as you plan your approaches all right my friend 
Um, any tell people where they can find you if they want more information or to buy one of your trips or sign up for your tournaments. Absolutely. Our website is launchtightlineoutdoors.com. Uh, check that out. It has information on ice school, on ice addiction, and all of our guide trips. We're excited about that. If you want more current conditions on ice fishing in general, go to our Facebook page, tightlineoutdoors.com. Uh, starting next week, as we know, everybody's off. So starting literally tomorrow, we'll start posting ice conditions, what we know, what to expect, what the current bites are. Uh, so our Facebook page is always going to be the most up-to-date information uh, on exactly what's going on in the state of Colorado. All right, my friend, we will talk to you next week at our regular time. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Nate Zielinski, always a great resource. Um, We're going to take a time out here in a minute, and we've got a lot more ice fishing coming up. We've got um, Dan Shannon from Fishing with Bernie. He'll give us up-to-date about uh, Granby and Grand Lake and some of those. Uh, He's going to be on the line here in just a second. Ronnie Castiglione and I were out um, actually out fishing in the Red Feathers area. You probably saw that on my Facebook page. You should follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Ronnie and I are going to talk about the exact how we approach that and the technique we use to cut a lot of trout. All that and more, plus other outdoor activities coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I'll have a blue Christmas without you. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. By the way, Jax is going to join us later, and we're going to go over a list of Christmas gifts that you could help buy for the outdoor person in your family. Let's go right to the phones now. And joining us from Fishing with Bernie is Dan Shannon. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. So I understand Bernie is hiding away on a beach in Florida somewhere. He is. This guy keeps sending me pictures of him in shorts and a T-shirt fishing. I don't know what that's all about. I don't even know if that's a good visual. <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of painful, but, you know, you have to wake up to something every morning, so might as well wake up scared. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we love Bernie. We also love to rip him, and as long as he's down in Florida, we will be ripping him, trust me. Oh, but Absolutely, uh, but- absolutely. But that doesn't mean that the Fishing with Bernie Guide Service isn't doing a lot of ice fishing or at least getting ready to do it. Um, and you're That's one of the guys, and we're going to talk a little bit about the conditions up there and, and some of the trips you're booking and how they can find you. But let's start with up in the Granby, Grand Lake area. What's going on ice-wise up there? So ice-wise up here, Granby, Grand Lake, we're looking, we're actually a couple of weeks ahead of schedule from normal. Uh, looks like they weren't pumping the lakes as much as usual, and we actually had a good, good sheet of ice formed on Grand Lake already. So Grand Lake has about four inches of ice on it. I've been seeing some huts out. We've been out checking ice. It does vary depending on what side of the lake you're on. So on the west side of the lake, you'd be in about six inches of ice, all the way down to about three inches of ice on the east side of the lake. So it varies. Check it as you go when you're out in Grand Lake. Um, Shadow Mountain got a nice, solid cap on it. Once again, we weren't pumping, so it actually got completely capped. Uh, but now they've turned the pumps on, so you're starting to see the normal open water areas open up. But uh, Shadow Mountain does have a good four to six inches in the dam area, and I've been seeing quite a few people out there fishing there. Now on to Granby. Granby, the big one, it's uh, it's kind of right on schedule. The back bays and stuff are starting to get a little bit of ice. There's There's two to three inches in some of the shallower bays that the water doesn't move in. But the main body is still open water. So it's going to be a couple of weeks up there. 
Yeah, it'll be a couple of weeks. And then all these lakes at this time of the year, especially when they have water movement, you know, we never say, we always say there's no such thing as safe ice, but ice fishing can be very safe if you use common sense and you're responsible. Are you seeing much fishing activity? Are they catching many fish up in that area? Yeah, I've been out a couple times in the evenings, just kind of checking conditions, seeing what, what the bite is. We had a really good bite for brown trout uh, right at sunset here on Grand Lake the other evening. Sam and I were out, one of our other guides, and we put a half a dozen fish on the ice in the little quick 45-minute trip. So it was, it was a good active bite. It happened right right at sunset on, on small small jigs tipped with waxworms. Um, it wasn't a real, you didn't have to get real creative with it, but, but they were there, drilled lots of holes, just popped around and had a good little evening. Yeah, and sometimes, especially when you're fishing those trout, they, you know, I, I get torn when I'm fishing trout. And as a guide, you probably have to deal with this all the time. You know, coming from the Midwest, when we used to fish walleyes and panfish a lot, if we weren't seeing fish after about 10, 15 minutes, either on our electronics or getting bites, we'd be drilling more holes, checking different depths, checking points. We drill a lot of holes and move around. I do that some with trout, but I also know that trout tend to cruise a lot so if I have a reason to believe I'm in one of those lanes, sometimes I'll wait a little longer and see if something comes through. How do you approach that? I approach it real similar to that. I use my electronics. I use my Vexlar. And if I'm in an area and I'm seeing fish come through constantly, I'm gonna, I'm probably going to stick right there and just keep fishing that same, that same spot, that same hole. But then again, if I'm not seeing fish, I get antsy, and I've, I've got to go out and find them. I'm not going to sit there and watch, watch a blank screen. So I'm out drilling holes. I'm working different parts of the structure that we're fishing or different parts of a weed edge, particularly for fishing rainbows and browns. Um, we're always looking for kind of the edge of the weeds, not necessarily fishing in the middle. So just getting in those lanes where the fish want to cruise uh, definitely helps make it a successful day. Now, when we when Granby when Granby does freeze, it's one of my favorite ice fishing destinations. Now, I know a lot of people love to go up there and hunt for big fish, but through the ice, not that you can't catch forty plus inch fish through the ice, we have, but it can be a challenge to move around and find them. But boy, if you can find those pockets of those fifteen to twenty two inch Lakers, you can almost set up all day and just have a blast, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. It's all in getting in those channels. Once again, lake trout are fish that cruise as well. So you want to get in those areas where they congregate and where they're where they're searching for food. You know, in Granby, those fish that size, their their big food source is the mice shrimp. So you really need to pay attention to the levels where you might see those mice shrimp. So how do you approach when Granby first freezes? How are you going to approach it for the lake trout? Well, I use a lot of my fall fishing, my late fall spots is where I'm going to start. We had a really, really good late fall season after we had to take a pause because of the fires up here. And once we finally did get back on the water, it was, I mean, the bite was, was, uh, it was incredible. So I'm going to go hit a lot of those same spots thinking that those fish are, are going to be in roughly the same areas. It's, it'll have been about three to four weeks since they, since the ice, uh, since they closed the boat ramps and we stopped fishing. So I'm going to start with those areas. Um, you always use my fall fishing as kind of my scouting for my early season ice and then move from there. You know, lake trout are a migratory fish, so they kind of have predictable patterns as we go on throughout the years to where they're going to move to. They're going to start start on, on shallow, then they move kind of deeper. And it's kind of just like a reverse of the summer season. Well, you know, another thing with lake trout, people think of lake trout as being an extremely deep water fish, and they can be. But in the summer, lake trout can't tolerate water warmer than 55 degrees. So by nature, 
they're confined to that deep water. But once the lake cools down, fall, spring, and of course through the ice, those lake trout can be anywhere there's food. And the big ones, a lot of times, are shallower than people think. Do you find that to be true? I do. A lot of times, you know, we'll... I wouldn't say it's a bite that I would I catch a fish every day, but there's times we'll catch big fish in six feet of water. I mean, you yeah. you got to stop in, just give it a give it a quick shot, and sometimes the fish are there, sometimes they're not. It's not something I'm going to sit on all day long, but you know, a couple couple holes early in the morning, super shallow, trying to get that fish that's up there feeding on on other fish because that's what those bigger fish eat, and you get up there, and a lot of times you and that can make your day. That one quick stop in six six to ten feet of water and and you're you're in for a battle trying to fight that fish who can't run down now. He's got to run sideways, putting that line right oh, against I, the edge. It's a, it's a blast. Well, you know, and that's the thing about ice fishing for lake trout. I know we have great pike fishing in Colorado that provide big fish, but lake trout probably present the biggest opportunity for the fish of a lifetime in Colorado. And they, because there's the smaller sizes are prolific. They provide a lot of. They can provide a lot of action, and the small ones are incredible table fare. What about some of the other lakes around your area? Um, how about Willow Creek? Are people out? There's usually a lot of trout on Willow Creek. So Willow Creek generally is a great early ice uh, lake to fish. This year, because of the fire that came through, they have that whole area closed. So we actually haven't been able to go get out and fish that. Uh, the fire passed right, right, right across the lake there. So. Um, it, we've got the area closed just, just because of the dangers of fallen trees and stuff. And then what about like Williams Fork, Wolford, some of the other lakes around the area? So Williams Fork um, is it capped here in the last week. We're looking uh, at my, one of our guides, Sam, went out and did some checking. He said there's about three inches of ice all the way across the main bay. So we're getting super close. The only thing that makes that a little scary in Williams Fork right now is that because of the snow we just got, we've got a little layer of slush that's there already. So with the new ice and the weight of the snow on there, it is a very risky uh, proposition. Definitely go with a friend and go with Spud Bar and check the ice if you're heading to Williams Fork. But that can be a great place to get into, especially numbers of Lakers on Williams Fork. There's a lot of big fish in there, but they they can be tough. Um, But as far as just getting out and catching numbers of of lake trout, Williams Fork's an excellent lake. Uh, And then Wolford's got some decent ice on it. I know at least right there in front of the boat ramp, I'm hearing reports of people still catching a few kokanee and definitely getting into the rainbows that are up in there eating eating the bugs and the leftovers from the kokanee. Um, and I've heard about some reports of ice in the inlet of Green Mountain. I haven't actually been out there and checked that one, um, but there is ice in that inlet area, and people are starting to get into lake trout out there. So that's, a, that's another one to think about if you're heading up. All right. We are out of time, Dan. If people want to book a trip with you guys, what do they do? Uh, look us up on fishingwithbernie.com or Fishing with Bernie on Facebook, and our contact info is on there. We've got a team of four guides that would love to get you out, and we're still booking trips even though Bernie's off uh, with the umbrella drinks and the shorts. Yeah, and don't don't bring a picture of him with you, okay? <laughs> no pictures, <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> I don't want to see his legs in shorts. All right, Dan, we're going to get you back on real quick as the conditions change up there. Thanks for joining us today. All right, have a good day. You bet. That's Dan Shannon with Fishing for Bernie. We're going to take a time out. We come back. Ronnie Castiglione is going to join us, and we're going to talk about a trip him and I did this week and actually share some of the techniques and how we approached a lake and caught dozens of fish. On Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan.
listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones because I want to talk about a trip we did just this week with uh, Ronnie Castiglione from uh, Fishful Thinker. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Terry Wickstrom. How are you doing this morning? You know, I'm doing great, and we sure had a good time out there. Before we even get started, I want to say hi to all the folks that came over to talk to us and few few asked for pictures. It's really nice to know people are listening and watching, and uh, it makes feel good that they're, they like the information we share, and I hope they had a good time. Now, I'm going to set the stage here, Ronnie. We went to Dowdy Reservoir in the Red Feathers Lake area, which is famous for being well-stocked and a good lake to ice fish for trout where if you want lots of action. We ended up catching dozens of fish. Now, I'm going to admit right up front that Ronnie got started ahead of us he i mean as far as catching he was on it right away and ronnie i'm i'm sure that ronnie outfished me by a fair number but i ended up catching probably a couple dozen fish myself but ronnie really had the hot hand but we just caught numbers and numbers of fish but we ended up doing it with two different baits and a little different technique so ronnie why don't you kind of take us through how you approached it and how you got started how did you decide where to go and then what bait you used well, Terry, you, you know you're in trouble when you show up to the lake and, and one of the guys you're with tells you, you know, I filmed a TV show right here. And so, uh, you know, we kind of ran out to the lake and, and, and did exactly what I did in that television show that I filmed with Chad probably, you know, seven, eight years ago. And uh, real simple, you know, we ran out there and we went to one of the key pieces of structure that's on the lake. You know, Dowdy, one of the good things about Dowdy is that it has a lot of structure. Uh, there's a lot of rock humps. There's a lot of points. There's a lot of piles of rock. There's all kinds of things going on out there. So we kind of walked out to one of the key ones that's just right there. It's it's no big secret. And uh, I drilled probably eight holes right off the bat, Terry. Um, now, how I drill those holes are important. Uh, you know, I started in shallow, and then I worked my way out deeper and spaced the holes about 10 yards apart and did basically two lines of holes, so four holes going out and then moved a little bit and four holes going out. Um, we all kind of picked a hole at that point. Everybody kind of went in and picked a hole, and, uh, you know, I picked an initial hole and dropped my line down, Terry, without setting up my electronics or anything and, and thought to myself, you know, this is a little bit too deep for this lake. I moved into the next hole that I had drilled uh, a little bit shallower, and I don't think I ever left that hole, Terry. That was the right depth. And so the big lesson in that is to, when you get out there and you initially start searching for fish, you, you don't want to drill a whole bunch of holes at the same depth, Terry. And I see that a lot of times. What you want to do is you want to drill holes at various depths. And on any given day, those fish could be five feet deep. They could be 20 feet deep or somewhere in the middle. And it seemed like that day, Terry, they were right around 10 feet deep. So that's kind of how I went about it to start off, Terry. All right. Now, why don't you tell people the bait you were using that I'll kind of go through my approach and what I did. Well, big surprise, Terry. I had myself a two-and-a-half-inch gold minnow on an eight-ounce jig head. Um, that's kind of a no-brainer. You know, that's a presentation that we use in open water throughout the year. We guide with that presentation. We catch basically everything that swims. You know, I've seen tarpon bite a three-inch gold minnow, and I really never met a trout that didn't like a little gold minnow, Terry. So that's kind of what I had rigged on. I also had a tube jig rigged on, and I had another little Ronnie Daughter bait rigged on. But it's been my experience that on early ice, if you're there and let's say the ice is, you know, a foot or less, um, that usually is a sign that you're there on early ice. And fish tend to be pretty aggressive on early ice. 
Um, so in that kind of a deal, I'm going to be looking for an active presentation, something that I think will call the fish in, something that I can work pretty quickly. And if I'm not getting action, I can just pick up, walk to the next hole, drop it in, bounce it a few times. If I don't get bit, move about my business. Um, I just know from experience that the lakes up in Red Feather, if you put something down there that looks like a little bitty minnow on a jig head, they're going to bite it. And that was the case, Terry. Well, and my approach was a little different, and Ronnie caught more fish than me. I'm going to be right up front with you. But I started out, he drilled the holes. I, I left my auger in the car. He said, leave your, your auger in the car, I'll drill the holes. I started out at a deeper hole. We all tried different depths because we wanted to see where the fish were. I had on a gulp minnow to start with also, and it wasn't getting bit. I was getting bit a little bit, but not much. So I moved in shallower, but I was in about 15 feet, Ronnie, on the shallower hole, actually. And I was probably a little bit off the fish. And I was getting quite a few bites on the gulp minnow, but I wasn't getting good hook sets. I wasn't getting the hook into the fish. So I switched to a tungsten jig head, and I put a gulp one-inch leech on it. And by the way, there's pictures of both these presentations on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I've got pictures of Ronnie's presentation and mine and some pictures of the fish in our setup. And I was probably a little bit off of the main structure more than I should have been. But we were having a lazy, good time out, and I was getting enough fish to come through that I didn't want to drill more holes. So I switched to the tungsten jig, which I could jig fairly rapidly to attract fish in. And once they got there, then I could slow it down and tease them a little bit. I was using my electronics. I could see when a fish came in. I would change my presentation. So I had a different approach. Now, I caught, like I said, I think I caught a couple dozen fish. We lost count. Ronnie just slammed them. But I was having trouble getting as many bites as Ronnie and getting the hook. So I approached differently, and I was probably a little bit off the main structure of those fish. Uh, but, Ronnie, a lot of times on a lake like that, if I'm not finding the fish and I move and drill a bunch of holes, I'll drill a two-hole setup, and I'll put a spoon or something in one hole as an attractor and then a slower presentation in the other. And I know you do that at times also. Yeah, I tend to do that, Terry, when the when the bite's a little tougher for me. So there's a lot of times I'll get to a lake here, or, you know, a front range body of water or one of those close lakes in the mountains, and if I if I go ahead and set up the two-hole deal and get my float rig set up and everything like that and get my atronics set up, it tends to be that I, I don't move around quite as much as I should initially. So a lot of times initially right off the bat, that's when I'm going to try to drill you know a, a grid of holes and make my way through those grids trying to figure out what depth these fish are at, what are they holding on. And then if it seems like the bite slows down, then I'll go to the two-hole approach. We didn't really stay all that long, Terry, and, and had we stayed out there throughout the whole day, that middle-of-the-day bite gets tough up there, even on a lake like Dowdy where the fish like to literally jump out of the hole sometimes. Um, you know, when the bite slows down midday, that would be when I would have probably had to have started to break out my electronics and maybe gone ahead and, and done the two-hole type presentation where I had a dead stick presentation in one and an active bait in the other. But if the fish are very, very aggressive and they're cooperative, I think sometimes that could be a hindrance. It just slows you down. You know, you end up messing with one hole. You get tangled around uh, the line with one hole and one rod. And I saw you do that, Terry. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you get tangled around your electronics, things like that. You spend a lot of times looking at your electronics. So if the fish are showing you right off the bat that they're cooperative and they want to bite your presentation – then a lot of times you're going to run through more fish just focusing on the one rod and the one thing and get it done like that, Terry. Well, and I did have two holes, 
and I put my electronics in one, and I did try an active presentation for a while, but it, I didn't need it. So just the jig with the golf leech on was enough of an attractor, and then I could change my cadence with it. And once I got dialed in, I caught a lot of fish. But you're absolutely right. We got on the water probably a little after 8, 8.30, but about 11 o'clock, that bite had slowed down. We had caught dozens of fish. We could have moved, worked harder, and caught more fish. I know you went to check out some other areas, but we really were quite successful. Last thing I want to ask you, Ronnie, we only got a minute or two left, though. People go out there. When you're putting that gulp minnow, and you're using an active presentation like a gulp minnow, do you go to a little heavier line? Like my ice jig, I had four-pound test on, but my gulp minnow, I had six. So my standard presentation is to run a super line as my main line. Um, I like something that's a unifilament line as opposed to a braid. Uh, it tends to be that the braid holds a little bit more water and freezes up more than one of the unifilament type of, you know, pressed lines. So nanofill or fire line is what I'm going to go to as my main line, usually something in that six-pound range, Terry. And then I'm going to put a fluorocarbon leader on there. And that day, you know, six-pound test fluorocarbon tends to be what I start out with. Uh, that gulp minnow on an eight-ounce jig, I don't want to go too light, but I don't want to go too heavy as well. Uh, if I'm going to a heavier, you know, lead-based presentation, something like a jigging wrap or a darter bait, maybe I go up to eight-pound test as far as the leader goes. But the, the main line tends to stay the same, Terry. Yeah, I, I have a lot of uh, the same with you, the mono unifilament lines, a lot, a lot of my reels, although my presentation with that small jig was actually on four-tenths uh, fluorocarbon because it sinks a little quicker and then with the the uh heavier little jig it worked out well ronnie we are out of time people want more information how can they find you uh, you can find me ronnie castleone on facebook or ronnie castleone official thinker and uh reach out to me if you have any questions i'll happy to answer all right we got to get back out again you kick my butt i got to get even with you <laughs> that's not saying much terry <laughs> <laughs> hey watch it all right have a merry christmas ronnie all right, have a good one, buddy. You bet. Ronnie Castiglione. We're going to take a time out. And speaking of Christmas, we come back, we're going to go to Jack's Outdoor Gear and talk to them about a lot of Christmas gift ideas for the outdoor person on your family on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.